With so many new features and enhancements in the San Diego release, it may be easy to overlook some things in the tools we use every day. Join me as I talk to Charn Lin, Senior Principal Product Manager at ServiceNow, about the developer tools and what's new in San Diego. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and of course, all of you curious individuals that I say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Today, I have returning guest, Charn Lin. Welcome back to Breakpoint, Charn. Thank you so much, Chuck. It's great to uh, be on the show and glad to be back. How are you today? Good, good. You know, can't complain. Blue skies, sunny weather. Uh, glad to be here and sharing our latest updates uh, with our customer base. I think we spoke last about a year ago around the command line interface. And for those who may have missed that, tell us a little bit about yourself, Charn. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Uh, so again, my name's Charn. I cover application lifecycle management here in our platform, uh, BU. Uh, and very broadly, uh, it basically covers how do we move uh, content changes uh, into customer instances uh, and so customers can feel confident about the changes that are going into their production environments, whether that goes from upgrades uh, to consuming any kind of applications, regardless of who is building it, from ServiceNow teams, our ISV partners on the store, or even customers themselves uh, doing customizations. Now, that's the work churn. Tell us about the non-work churn. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of updates. Um, you know, I'm pretty excited about an upcoming move to uh, Seattle. I'm currently based in the Bay Area. Uh, again, we'll certainly miss the amazing weather here, coasting down uh, our highways around here, Highway 1, 280. Uh, but also really, really looking forward um, to Seattle. It's great, great weather, having four seasons again. Uh, the easy walkability. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, that's that's the latest update. <laughs> Are you going there for family reasons or work reasons? Um, uh, both personal and work. Uh, I've been in the Bay Area for ten years now, and just looking for a change in scenery. Um, but also for work, a lot of our uh, uh, cloud automation teams are up there, um, and uh, since I work with engineering teams across the U.S., I kind of figured as long as I'm staying in the same time zone. Uh, I'll still be able to work with everyone. That sounds agreeable to everybody. Thanks, Chuck. Win, win, win. <laughs> All right. Well, best of luck to you. What, what's your time frame on moving? Um, I'm hoping to move in the next couple of weeks, actually. So it's uh, coming pretty soon. Um, a lot of packing to do, of course. <laughs> <laughs> How ready are you? Or is, this, is are you one of these last minute packers? Very last minute and procrastinating. Uh, a lot of packing oh, dear. to do this weekend, the long weekend. <laughs> Unlike, you know, the, the planning and preparation you have to do for a ServiceNow release. Totally. There's there's clearly a difference between the work churn and the non-work churn here. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, speaking of the work churn, let's turn back to that. I want to talk about some of the new dev features and, and dev-related features in San Diego. I hear there's quite a bit we can cover, and I hope we have enough time to do a lot of this stuff. Where would you like to start? Yeah, there's quite a lot to cover, a lot of exciting new changes. Um, so let's start with our application authoring and deployment uh, story. Uh, so how do you use, uh, how have we improved source control, a lot of our CI, CD features, uh, so customers can more easily adopt applications as the mechanism of uh, doing work with our customizations. Okay, and what's at the top of your list when it comes to the, the, the publishing and promotion features? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about application authoring first. Um, you know, one of the 
biggest challenges that we've heard from customers who are early adopters um, of our source control features is how difficult it is to migrate, especially all their global customizations um, from update sets into using global applications, uh, which was shipped um, and enhanced in uh, Paris uh, to be able to um, integrate with source control. So your favorite uh, GitHub, GitLab, Azure repos. Um, as well as being able to go through the app repository for uh, publishing and installing um, onto instances. Um, and so we want to make that easier in two ways for our customers. Firstly, uh, today, although you can go to Dev Studio, you can go to that file menu and add existing files in order to claim uh, individual global records into a global app, customers have many global records to claim. Right. And that becomes a very high point of friction to be able to, being able to adopt global apps. Uh, and so we're shipping a feature in San Diego uh, to allow customers to bulk select multiple global update sets worth of global records and just add all of them into a global app in one step. Um, on top of that, you will be able to go into a single update set and uh, pick and choose which global records you want to include um, into uh, existing global apps or even new global apps. And so that additional configurability will allow customers to more flexibly and more easily adopt using global apps for managing um, all of their uh, global uh, customizations. That sounds like a huge time saver rather than picking. They're picking these right out of the update sets, not going through, say, business rules and saying, I want that one, that one, that one. Or what's the what's the mechanism for doing that? Yeah, you definitely still have the option to be able to select specific uh, global records from specific tables. Uh, that will still be in the existing add existing files uh, model. Mm -hmm. um, but because customers historically have managed their customizations via, uh, in this case, global update sets, uh, that's the starting point um, from which we wanted the experience uh, to begin. Uh, so you can just take your existing um, global update sets that have historically been used to move those global uh, customizations uh, and then just add all of them, uh, those global records uh, into a global app. Nice. What else do you have that's making life much easier for me, the developer? In line with the uh, transition from update sets into using applications, uh, one of the main blockers for our customers has been uh, transitioning from the sysapp table uh, to using the sysstore app table um, for applications um, uh, 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 that they are deploying from the application repository. Uh, and so historically, um, for those of you um, that are not familiar with this, um, in using update sets and promoting update sets uh, from your dev to your test to staging to prod instances, uh, your applications, be they global apps or scoped apps, live in the sysapp table. Um, however, in order to install applications from the application repository, your applications must live in the sysstore app table. And today, although customers can reach out to the support engineering team um, to help uh, make that conversion for applications that are ready to move uh, to using uh, CI/CD uh, APIs, uh, the spoke app repository mechanics for managing their pipelines, um, it's easier if customers can do that themselves. So in San Diego, uh, we are providing a feature for customers uh, to self-serve migrate uh, from the sysapp table to a sysstore app table. So you effectively, uh, for instances like test or staging or even production, uh, moving instant, uh, um, applications from quote-unquote development mode in the sysapp table to store mode in the sysstore app table. Uh, so that also helps customers to be able to migrate more easily from update sets to using applications as the mechanism of development. Now, Charn, if I remember right, it, 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 a lot of the customers don't get down to the sysapp and the sysstore app table, but what they do need to remember is it's far easier to promote through the app repo than update sets. It sounds like we're making every effort to get people off of update sets and make it easier to use the easier tools. Uh, and, and what I want to point them to is a UI action 
on the sys app table if you drill into a record it will say convert to update from app repository so this is this is the way you want to go but just a caveat that we have to throw in there fair warning you've been warned do not run this on your dev instance because you want that to be editable. One of the advantages that I love about promoting through the app repository is that when it gets to production, your your app is no longer editable. So you don't have these secret behind-the-scenes production changes on that application. It's like, hey, this is production. You should not, It enforces good behavior and, and says, if you want to edit it, you go back to dev, and then you test it in test, and then you test it. You know, so uh, you don't run that UI action on your dev instance, <laughs> you've been warned. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really good call out. Um, you want your applications to be in development mode. In other words, if it's a sub table on your development instance so that you can link it to source control um, and continue committing uh, changes, pushing up to your Git repo, uh, pulling down via apply remote changes. Uh, but for instances in your pipeline where you are deploying application versions, uh, whether to uh, validate uh, prior to emerging your test instance or more typical continuous integration build uh, or in full continuous delivery. Once you have a version of the application that's built off of your master branch um, and ready to deploy into production, uh, that's going into your staging or eventually your production instance, uh, you want to make sure that your application is in the store app table at that point. So in other words, uh, store mode. Now, did I hear right that we have diff-based installations for applications now? Yeah, that's a really exciting change for us. Uh, we're bringing in some of the enhancements that we've made to our upgrade engine and upgrade distributions to make all that go faster for our customers, but this time into the app world. Uh, so one of the biggest challenges for our customers um, in terms of moving uh, their numerous customizations uh, into applications is ultimately the size of those applications. And prior to San Diego, installing those very large applications from the app repo um, could sometimes take a very long time uh, because we are performing um, uh, authors and operations on each record uh, within those applications. Um, and we heard from customers, uh, you know, if you have many different dev teams, uh, each with their own applications, their own pipelines, the teams with the largest applications end up blocking um, other teams from being able to deploy their sometimes smaller applications uh, onto the same instances, be that test or staging or eventually into prod. Uh, so we wanted to help our customers there with an optimization to our app install logic. Uh, and so applications uh, now uh, pack a manifest uh, that has a diff of all the records in them. And ultimately what that translates to for our customers is faster application installs. Only the records with changes uh, end up being operated on. Uh, so larger applications take much faster to install with San Diego. I love that. I have an application that's you know, got 30 plus tables and an equal amount of script includes, and you, you, I'm not even going to get into the ACLs. It's a big application. And when I just need to make a tweak to the UI, you know, maybe it's a, a tweak to a service portal widget. It takes me a half an hour to install that. Uh, this is just taking too long. So I am so looking forward to getting this one off the ground. Uh, you have a, a an advocate right now, ready to go with that feature. Can't wait to upgrade my, my other instances that are involved with this to San Diego to get that going. Uh, we also have, I heard, for our uh, on-prem customers, they can now do their own app repo, their own store effectively. Yeah, uh, so... You know, one of the um, gaps in feature parity that we have for our self-hosted uh, on-prem air-gapped customers uh, is whether there's an app um, repository available for them. 
And you know, so today, um, for customers that are able to connect to our commercial store or even to the regulated market stores, uh, they have access to the application repository um, as a feature um, of those uh, store instances. Uh, however, for, again, the self-hosted and on-prem and air-gapped customers are not able to adopt our app-repo workflows, whether that be uh, in terms of these um, uh, source control and CICD features uh, or for App Engine Studio because their deployment pipelines are also built on top of the app-repo and our CICD mechanics. Uh, and so we've uh, pulled out a lot of the functionality from the store's app-repo into its own uh, application on the store now. Uh, so as a store app, uh, customers can install this self-hosted application repository uh, to their own instances uh, and be able to connect up client instances uh, to act as app author and app client instances for publishing and installation workflows. Um, and on top of that, customers can log into uh, those app repo um, instances and be able to manage the artifacts, the app versions uh, that are being published uh, inside the app repo uh, for some more advanced configuration. Just like our cloud customer. So nice to see that parity established. Very good. Okay, Santa Claus, what else do you have for me? <laughs> so I guess to wrap up our application authoring a source control story, there's two more minor enhancements that we've made uh, to source control in San Diego. Uh, firstly is we heard from our customers, uh, if you have multiple developer instances um, and you're starting development um, for an application on one uh, dev instance, uh, and you have that uh, application linked up uh, to your source control, mm -hmm. but you want to bring that application onto other instances, other dev instances, or even instances that you're using for publishing applications, uh, customers wanted um, an endpoint for importing from source control, um, a manual action uh, that you can do in Dev Studio prior to San Diego, um, so that they can instrument as a part of their automated pipelines, uh, the ability to uh, import from source control if uh, that instance doesn't yet have the application um, uh, uh, on it yet. Uh, on top of that, we wanted to make stashing a little bit easier for our customers. Uh, now, prior to San Diego, uh, every time you stash your changes uh, during apply remote changes from your Git repo right, operation, right. Um, uh, all of the different developers' changes would end up getting merged into the same update set. And so if different developers were working on different stories and making changes to different records, all of that would be a little harder uh, to tease apart um, uh, uh, prior to San Diego. Uh, with San Diego, uh, although it's still remaining as a single stash, we are separating uh, the different developers' changes and retaining them in their separate update sets. So once you're ready to um, reapply your stash, um, uh, you will notice in the sele selective commits modal uh, that the different update sets representing different developers' uh, work uh, is now retained. Uh, so different developers can still choose to commit just their changes um, uh, after reapplying the stash. Nice. So you can promote the charn changes and you don't have to promote the chuck changes because they're no good anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, chuck changes will get priority and promotion, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, as developers, it, it makes it easier for us to be able to actually stash and then reapply uh, stashes and commits afterwards uh, versus today having them all mixed up. No, that's a nice touch. I like that one. But wait, there's more. Okay, we, we talked about the authoring. What What's next? Yeah, so I'd love to share with you uh, some uh, improvements that we've made uh, in how you can set up and manage instances as a part of adopting source control. Um, as many of our developers and customers know, uh, one of the limitations in uh, source control branching that we have today is uh, for any given um, application on a single instance, you can only have one active branch at a time. Right. Um, and for many of our customers that have only one dev instance that many of their developers share, 
uh, that prohibits them from being able to have separate feature or even fixed branches uh, for their developers to be working on different stories at the same time. Uh, and so we want to solve this problem for our customers um, to be able to have more numerous um, uh, dedicated smaller dev instances uh, to be able to work from. And our first step towards that journey uh, is enhancing our cloning functionality uh, so customers have more granular control over what data from what tables uh, you clone down to a target instance. Um, so our customers can also separate the roles and functionality here uh, where admins um, can define the clone profiles uh, and generate what we call a clone image uh, that developers uh, can then pick from and say, hey, uh, I want to start from this much smaller clone image and clone down into my dev instance and have that happen much more quickly. Uh, and so those capabilities have been shipped as a part of a new clone management console application uh, that's gone to our innovation labs uh, as a store application release. Uh, and we're currently beta testing this with a very small group of customers uh, to better understand whether these features um, solve many of the problems that we have in uh, generating much smaller dev instances, uh, making that experience uh, all a lot easier. Um, a lot of the qualitative and quantitative uh, feedback uh, for us to figure out how to um, uh, innovate and iterate uh, in terms of next steps in providing better instances for our customers. Oh, I'm salivating now. You, you've got that multi-instance forecast to help people, like you said, manage different branches at the same time. So oh, we're, we're, we're getting there, people. We're getting there. One step at a time, exactly. Um, and, you know, one one thing I do want to plug here in terms of our vision for instances is uh, I manage Clone Management Console. The iteration of our cloning features really is uh, just the next immediate step for us. But longer term out, um, we really want to get to that model of ephemeral instances that spin up from predefined vanilla-like base images mm -hmm. uh, that are more common uh, in a typical DevOps model for, uh, you know, broader software development as a whole. Um, in the ecosystem. Um, so developers in the future, uh, the vision that we're aiming for is, you know, when you're ready to um, check out a new branch for your master or main branch and start some development work, uh, you can spin up a dev instance uh, from one of these um, uh, base images. Uh, uh, and that purpose built for just your development work. Uh, you can, you know, load up the set of applications that you want to do some work on, uh, maybe some uh, test or demo data, uh, and have the instances that you need just for that development work or just for that CI build. And once your branch has merged back into domain or master branch, uh, you can just throw away that instance because anytime you need another um, ephemeral dev instance, you can just spin one up um, anytime you need them. Um, that does require uh, quite a bit of uh, infrastructure work in our cloud. Um, and so uh, we're continuing to try to move in that long-term uh, direction uh, and we'd love further feedback from our customers as we head down the journey. You need to reach out to Craig Stepp about Cloud Labs. Sounds very similar to what they're doing in training right now, where or, you know, the events and the classes where they need just temporary instances. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, for many of our uh, knowledge uh, labs, um, our customers and developers may know that that's all built on top of Cloud, cloud Labs. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd love to partner with other teams in the company um, to learn from what they've done. Yeah, this definitely sounds like something where you can learn from what they've done and take it forward. Because anytime we get something in the hands of our product development teams, it just gets way better, like orders of magnitude better. And that would feed back to making Craig's life easier. So it's just, wow, I, I love it when the plan comes together. Let's hope we can do that. Okay, that's Clone Management Console. 
I suspect you have more. Yeah, let's talk a little, a little bit about test automation as a part of your CI/CD pipelines. You mean ATF? Everybody's favorite Christmas present? What do they call it? The Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Savings Club where you invest a little over time and it pays big dividends down the road. Wait, that sounds like yes, a exactly. service now stock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Uh, automate all your tests, save your team time, uh, both for upgrades as well as for application development. Um, and we've made a couple of uh, improvements to the ATF experience, again, as that default on-platform choice for test automation. Um, firstly, uh, we've enhanced our ATF headless browser capabilities uh, in San Diego to support uh, Windows Docker images. Uh, we have a Docker image published um, uh, out in our uh, GitHub uh, Docker registry, um, as well as it's open source. So you can uh, fork it, you can uh, customize and extend it uh, as your team would like. Um, uh, and that provides uh, more ability for our customers to uh, run these uh, browsers in their own Docker host and infrastructure internally uh, to support running UI tests uh, when you need a schedule client test runner um, during uh, your ATF test suites. Secondly, uh, we want to make it easier for uh, developers and QE um, uh, users to uh, be able to author tests. And one of the biggest pain points that we've uh, seen on our ideas portal uh, is the ability for our developer and QE users to uh, set up breakpoints um, uh, uh, to more easily uh, debug their tests and author their tests, as well as to prevent a rollback at the end of tests, so you can actually see what happened during the tests. Uh, so, in, therefore, you will see a debugger feature uh, in San Diego that helps our users be able to do that. So, breakpoints and prevent rollback before completion are two. Wow, those are. There, you hear the crowd cheering. That's that's how excited I am about those because being able to stop and then look at values on a form or look at records in the system during a breakpoint and then say, yeah, just run to the next breakpoint or I'm going to take control and step through. So scripting debuggers have known about these kinds of features for quite some time, but this is new to ATF. And then the big one about, hey, I wanted to see what the record looked like before it rolled back. You know, as you're authoring these things, those two are just going to be huge. Now, if you put a breakpoint on the last step, I should point out there's a subtle difference between a breakpoint and that rollback at the end. If you put a breakpoint on your last step, you're pausing before the last step is run. So you're not going to see what that final record is, unless, of course, it's something silly like, hey, just create a log statement. Uh, so don't waste your time. The prevent rollback is after the last step executes before the ATF rollback hits. So I think there's, there's huge potential in helping people understand how their tests are running, how to author them more effectively. And just like we've seen in scripts, being able to get that introspection of what's happening as it progresses through the step, because it's not always what you expect. There's flows and business rules and things happening on the back end that may be interrupting your normal train of thought. Exactly. It just makes it easier to be able to figure out whether your tests are right, um, what your tests are actually doing, um, to be able to set up breakpoints on individual test steps uh, and see, hey, uh, do I need to add another test step? Do I need to modify something? Does it work the way I expect it to? Okay, Charn, I can always count on you for a little bit of insight for the forward-facing roadmap. Now, you don't have to tell us exact timelines, but 
I know there's some juicy tidbits that are out there. I've I've heard some rumblings. I've even seen some early videos and sprint meetings. So there is some cool stuff coming up. What can you share with our dear listeners? Yeah, I'm happy to share a sneak peek uh, into what's coming out uh, soon in Tokyo and currently in progress with our engineering teams. Uh, and I think a great place to start would be continuing our ATF story. Um, as many of our uh, customers uh, may know, uh, ServiceNow recently uh, did an acquisition for DotWalk. Uh, and one of the top priorities for us in Tokyo is replatforming uh, two of its key features. Uh, firstly, uh, many of our customers need some help getting to the starting line in test automation coverage. Uh, and one of the features that we are replatforming is automated regression test generation. So customers will be able to uh, select which tables, uh, how many tests, uh, and some of the configurations that allow them to generate a suite of regression tests that they can then run, uh, especially during upgrades, uh, to make sure that after an upgrade, um, their instances uh, uh uh, don't have any regressions compared to their production instance. Uh, and so that would just help customers be able to uh, get to that starting line faster um, and that they can iterate from there. That's the big thing is faster time to value on building your automated tests. I've heard some really good things in the industry about uh, DotWalk. So very excited to see this. Yeah. And then part two is, you know, after we shipped ATF headless browser, uh, leveraging our Docker images with browsers packed into them, you know, one of the uh, big point pain points that we've heard from customers is uh, still having to manage the infrastructure um, as Docker hosts for running uh, these browsers. And some of the challenges that our um, ServiceNow IT uh, or customers teams run into is uh, needing to negotiate internally on network configurations, where to run these Docker hosts, how to generate certificates and manage all of that. Um, and that's just an additional layer of friction and challenge that they have to work through. Um, and so the other set of features that our replatform of DotWork uh, will provide for us is ServiceNow hosted browsers for running those generated tests. Uh, so in the future, uh, our customers uh, will be able to um, uh, uh, not have to uh, operate their own infrastructure for running tests anymore. Oh, and really? Instead, uh, leverage ServiceNow to run those browsers for them. Interesting. I was thinking it would, there's, there's a lot of synergy between our Docker process for ATF headless browsers and our new uh, Docker process for mid servers. I was thinking there was some connection that we could leverage there as well, but this sounds like a more interesting one for service now hosted browsers, different direction than I was thinking. Again, product teams thinking where my brain doesn't want to go. No, I think that's actually a really good um, call out. Uh, you know, overall, um, uh, we want to make it easier for customers uh, to uh, deploy clients in their infrastructure. And that's, that's why there is that trend towards adopting uh, more common and open standards like Docker um, and publishing Docker images for our customers uh, to be able to run things like mid servers and other um, uh, <laughs> infrastructure or clients um, on their back end. Um, but in this case, uh, you know, having to set up uh, Docker infrastructure to uh, run browsers point to the schedule uh, client test runner, um, we just wanted to make that easier for our customers by doing that for them. I assume we're going to have some baselines or what's not supported. We're not going to say, I want to run IE6 on Windows XP and see if it, my ATF passes. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going there. 
Yeah, you know, that's a really great question. One of the um, topics that we are discussing internally today, uh, you know, on release, we're going to provide um, just uh, Chrome browsers on a specific version uh, based on uh, Linux um, containers. Uh, but longer term out, you know, uh, in parallel with uh, customers' needs around uh, Selenium, uh, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, eventually uh, being able to uh, get a report of uh, hey, you know, on these browser type conversion, on these OS type conversion combinations, um, your changes uh, are working or are not working. Uh, we'll provide more granular detail uh, for customers in validating um, uh, whether the uh, functional uh, integration um, uh, tests are passing on a broader set of uh, combinations. We are a cloud company, so that makes sense. <laughs> I know that one of the uh, sticky points with ATF is the new Next Experience, formerly Now Experience. Are we building out any strategy for that? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the uh, pay points here for our customers is not being able to use ATF um, to author uh, uh, tests um, on agent workspace and other uh, workspaces, views, applications built using uh, Next UI. Uh, and one of the areas that the team has been investing heavily into over the last couple of releases is in building out that framework so that the UI components uh, can be instrumented uh, for compatibility with ATF. Uh, so one of the things that we are working towards um, completion uh, during our Tokyo timeframe is preparing that framework for uh, UI component author teams uh, to be able to set up that compatibility and instrumentation, um, leveraging drivers and annotations that the team is building uh, so that in Utah and beyond, uh, more of these components and workspaces and applications uh, are ATF testable. Excellent. There's, there's more applause. I can hear it now. Like, yes, can't wait, can't wait. <laughs> okay, what else is in your uh, bag of gifts? Yeah, uh, so saving the uh, <laughs> best for the last door uh, is around upgrades. Um, and... Uh, although we've made uh, giant strides in helping our customers upgrade earlier and more frequently um, to the latest family releases and therefore being able to deliver the latest content and features uh, to their end users, um, one of the largest challenges that remains is especially for our most customized customers. Uh, managing those customizations as a part of the end-to-end upgrade process, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting from your first subprod and uh, dev or other instances and eventually upgrading your production instance, uh, we want to make it easier to manage those uh, customizations and especially the skips related to them. Uh, and so in Tokyo, uh, we're going to be releasing a feature called Upgrade Plans, uh, which will allow customers to pack up those customizations and especially uh, skip records related to those to those customizations and global scope and um, third-party scopes from store apps or plugins um, uh, into uh, global apps or app customizations. Uh, so features that we've released over the last couple of uh, uh, releases, Paris, Quebec, and Rome. Uh, and then define something called an upgrade plan. Uh, that is essentially um, a list of applications and their versions. Uh, to then be able to apply this upgrade plan to other instances uh, to automate and optimize um, the upgrade itself with these customizations. Uh, And so with upgrade plans, customers will not only be able to uh, start leveraging applications for how they're managing other customizations, and we'll do a lot of that packing for you automatically, but you'll also be able to upgrade faster uh, with those customizations uh, and other instances that have the upgrade plan being applied. 
You heard it here first, people. Upgrade plans. Put that on your uh, time capsule and open it up in a year and see where we are. (laughs) Okay, Charn, once again, you have got me so excited about the San Diego features for developers. There's more there than I ever picked out of watching those TOI videos. And looking forward to Tokyo and beyond. There's just so much good stuff. It's It's a good time to be a developer on ServiceNow. Thank you for joining us today. Before you leave, let's let the listener know a little bit about how they can get in touch with you if they've got questions or issues. Yeah, sure. Uh, as always, it's great to be on here, and thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, our uh, listeners can reach out to me either on LinkedIn, uh, where you can find me under uh, Charn, uh, C-H-I-A-R-N-G, uh, or by email, so uh, charn.lin at servicenow.com. And I suspect you keep your eye on the idea portal on the community, yes? Yes, of course. <laughs> Please submit your feature requests there and uh, happy to uh, take your feedback. If anybody's heard anything that gives them new ideas or you want to upvote existing ideas, that's the place to go. Go over to the community, community.servicenow.com. Idea portal is one of those banner menus right at the top. You can't miss it. A lot of good stuff in there. And as Charn confirmed, our product managers do read and respond to a lot of those. And several of them, I know in the San Diego release, came directly from that idea portal. So it's not this black hole of, we're just steering you to get us get you off of our nerves. <laughs> That's not the case. <laughs> thank you, Charn. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget... Check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find those also on the community under the resources menu, or if you go to servicenow.com slash podcast, you can find them there. You can also get this podcast automatically delivered to you for free to whatever podcast client you got. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, all the usual podcast directories and have that. Never miss a beat. Again, thank you once again, Charn. Thank you, Chuck, so much for having me here again. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, you make this super easy for us and exciting to share our latest features with our developers and customers. Um, and, you know, hope you enjoyed your long weekend coming up. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Documents, programs, breakpoint, episodes. I'm getting there. All right, let's let's get recording then. I am suffering from bad focal length on the multifocal glasses. Take your time. <laughs> no worries. No, I can't take that much time. It's, uh, where was I going? Did I say anything egregious that you don't like? Ooh, uh... I don't like the way that's worded. That's why I was having a problem with it. Ten minutes to spare. We did all right. A few, few choppy spots in there, but... Uh, no, that's all great. <laughs>